Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with my girlfriend. My girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we forget to do the show for like two months. We didn't forget. I know, but we it was to do it was it's funnier because sometimes we forget that it's all at work is the normal intro. So it was Oh I see. You gotta explain these things to me. I know. We all discovered that we all have autism except Erica. Yeah. I'm sorry, we are oh, all boy. autistic except Erica. We don't have autism. Not how it works. Or autistic. Yeah. Um still working on that one. Hey! Welcome to the show. We were accidentally gone for two months because life. I moved to Canada. I had COVID. And then we just didn't have time to do it because some of us were tired. And then there was another time where um, we were over at errands, so we couldn't do it. We... And then they keep putting Rampage on at like 5 friggin' 30 on a Friday. Yeah, people are, like, specifically saying that um, the ratings being bad is the death knell of Rampage. <laughs> but it's on at 2 goddamn 30 in the afternoon in in California. Like, mm -hmm. who the frig is watching 2.30 in the afternoon television? I'm just going to put this out plainly. Young Bucks, it's not worth bombing the ratings to get back at me because I don't like your goddamn 10-person tag matches. Oh, you think it's about the 10-person tag match? I think they're that petty. I don't think it's about the tag match. And what's it about? I think it is about the Young Bucks specifically trying to stop us from predicting what will happen on the show by putting the show before we can make predictions. Maybe. So let's jump right into talking about some of the things since our last episode. The last time we did, Nick wants the pup belt. That's what it is. Oh, that makes so much sense. That fucking belt mark. He absolutely would. <laughs> he could just F. F <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, part of me really hopes that the Bucks do listen to this and hear us shine them out because that would be so fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> so let's, let's jump into um, the last time that we talked, we talked about Cody. We talked about... Yep. Um... Actually, you know, I, I think maybe the first topic we should probably talk about then is um, not necessarily Cody, but the way things have gone with AEW renegotiating contracts with original talent. Yeah, there's been some interesting news and rumors about that. And confirmation things. So, like, one mm -hmm. of the first things that, like, yeah, one of the first things that came up in terms of contract weirdness, was when we found out that um, Peter Avalon was on a per-appearance basis. Yep. A steady staple of Dark and Elevation with the wingmen. And, yeah, it just seems like, like the rumors are that uh, AEW may have spent too much on the big-name acquisitions as they came out of WWE. Yep. <laughs> and don't have the necessary budget room to retain negotiate some, better. Yeah, they, they don't have the budget space to retain some of their, like, talent. Mm-hmm. Um, that obviously has affected Peter Avalon. I think, you know, the most 
glaring example is probably how it's affected Cody. Yep. The rumors currently are MJF. Yeah, and like, you know, one would... I think AEW could survive losing Cody. I don't mm -hmm. know how well they'll do their biggest true homegrown heel. Yeah, like imagining an AEW without MJF is rather difficult. Because <laughs> MJF is in effect the AEW. He's he's the face of heeldom in AEW. You know, programs with MJF yep. are the ones that build people or, you know, prove people. Programs with MJF get you time on TV. They get you There's some musical of the best... episodes. Oh, God. There's some of the best non-match buildup that AEW does. He's phenomenal on the mic. And he's really freaking good in the ring, too. Mm hmm To lose MJF because they spent too much Bill or... Cole or Danielson. Uh, you know, like... Especially spending too much money on what I would consider to be over-the-hill acquisition. Danielson. Phil. Uh, when we say Phil, Not we do Cole. mean CM Punk. Adam Cole is someone who makes perfect sense. Oh, yeah. Like, the and timing I, of his release was just amazing. I, I don't think they had overspent on Adam Cole. You know, like, I, I agree with Aitsu, though, that uh, Jungle Boy would be bad to lose, Wardlow would be bad to lose. I don't think they grow, they're going to lose Eddie King. I just don't think no. he's going to fit in with Vince. <laughs> and, yeah, no. And, like, Eddie is, I guess, like, a little bit simpler of a man than some of the other ones, where, like, he's just doing this thing he loves, huh? and he gets money for it. And, and he, he gets to do it with people his... he likes. He can make his wife happy. And his mother gets to live pretty comfortably off that. His wife is John Moxley, by the way. That was confirmed <laughs> this week. Absolutely <laughs> confirmed. It was so good. <laughs> Do we want to talk about that for a little bit, or should we come back to it? We'll come back to it. Okay. Because um, I want to talk about one of the thing, one of the ones that, you know, kind of broke my heart with this contract situation is them not coming to terms with Stu Grayson. Yeah. You know, like, Stu and Uno have been a tag team for fucking ever. And now they're not, because Stu is no longer wor working for AEW, and Uno still is. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think there's a lot of... A, a lot of that, I think, comes down to the fact that has a much more noticeable Quebec accent. You know, it's he's... kind of the same thing we saw with a lot of the Japanese performers earlier on. Yeah, you know, like it. it his English is great. Like, there's no problem mm -hmm. with Stu's English. It's just that he talks a little like this, and you got to deal with the uh, Quebec accent there. Yeah. There's that girl over there. You know that one. <laughs> but at the same time, like. He's so fucking athletic. Why'd you let him go? It it sucks. But, mm -hmm. like, it's also a business. And, you know, as much as I love Stu Grayson, and maybe this is the fault of AEW never fully capitalizing on the Dark Order hype. Yeah. But people don't turn on the TV to watch Stu Grayson. I mean... I do. I do. <laughs> but I also knew who they were when they first showed up unannounced, and I was super excited. Mm -hmm. 
like, you know, it, it's... There's... A consideration has to be made when you're doing these contract negotiations. And not to defend baby billionaire idiot Tony Khan, but, like, there's a consideration that needs to be made as to who... Where, where you put your money when you have a limited budget. Mm-hmm. And... You know, for someone like Evil Uno, he's kind of ingrained himself into more of the AEW culture. He's part of the AEW gaming channel and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Like, he's more actively present in people's minds because he's part of that core group of people who continue to put out content outside of AEW. Yeah, like, even it within BTE, Evil Uno has a lot of speaking roles in the skits they do, whereas Stu was the guy who got thrown around by Anna. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it, it it's... I think it has me not worried, but I think there's, you know, there's something to be said that when it comes time for the Beaver Boys to renegotiate, John Silver's in a better bargaining position than Alex Reynolds. Yep. Because there's something to be said for being the ones who do the funny bits on BTE. You know, it's yeah. the way that Silver has very clearly studied a lot of really great comedy. You know, like, his style of comedic work gets, in addition to his in-ring talent, because his talent should not be understated, but, like, there's something to be said for putting yourself over by being funny on a vlog, right? Like, it makes people like you. Yep. Especially when the vlog is run by two of the EVPs. <laughs> his, it, it's... Like his his influence his influences are like maybe it's just me being like a huge comedy nerd, mm -hmm. but like a lot of the influence of like the sort of uh, you know he, he definitely got that like a like intentionally being crass to the point that it is not it's not funny that he's being crass it's funny that he going so, like, deep into that hackish sort of comedy that, like, it's a, me it's a meta comedy, right? Like, it's... Yeah. Go ahead. It's, uh, it's the kind of same thing that I see on Sammy's vlog, where there is, like, such an abundance of queer baiting on it that you start annoyed that they're doing it and then entertained that they just keep doing it. It's, you know, like, um, Silver has very clearly studied a lot of the comedy style of um, Tim and Eric, right? Like, I'd say they're that, probably his biggest comedic influence. That makes sense. <laughs> and, like, you know, there's there's something to be said for taking what is expected of sort of it's it's almost like the, the 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 comedy that he does relies on um and this is the same way with queer baiting in a sense it's like a reductio ad absurdum where yeah. you take this thing and you keep pushing it beyond where it stops being funny to the point that it becomes absurd and then becomes funny again mhm mm it's deliberately bombing a stand up set so that your stand-up friends in the back are laughing hysterically because they know you're deliberately bombing. Uh, cough, cough, Andy Kindler. <laughs> I fucking love Andy Kindler's comedy. Like, and that's another, like, huge influence probably on Silver, but, like, it's, it's a very sort of, um, it's, I don't want to call it intangibles, but it's intangibles that make that puts you in a better contract negotiating position. Yeah. And I think there's a difference, you know, like, I, I, 
Jack Evans being a significant exception to this. Peter Avalon also being an exception to this. Staple of BTE. Genuinely very funny, but like probably didn't get offered a contract that he thought was good enough. You know, you almost have to like you have to have those intangibles because star power is ultimately an intangible, right? Yep. And building up, you know, that that kind of outside credential, for lack of a better term, is kind of essential to your general success in the industry. It's that X factor that uh, different motivational speakers will always mention. Mm -hmm. And no, like someone like Eddie King. Eddie has all kinds of intentions. I mean, like Eddie doesn't have the intangibles of the popularity of getting himself over by being on blogs because he fucking hates being on blogs. And I get that. I respect it. I completely mm -hmm. understand it. But he has that Eddiness, you know? He's, his intangibles come in the form of tangible things. <laughs> Ability on the mic, for example. You know, like the way that he cuts promos is what him gainfully enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And just that everything he does, you're not sure if he knows that it's supposed to be fake. <laughs> Eddie, you know you're not actually supposed to tear CM Punk's head off in this match, right? Eddie, you're pretty determined, right? <laughs> you you know that it's not real, that John Moxley still loves you? He, he, he's not actually going to get blown up. He's He's not actually your wife. That might be real. That might be real. <laughs> um, I assume... Which, Let's transition topics to talking about how, um, after a very an inexplicably mentioning a heretofore they retconned Eddie's life. Yeah, they retconned a wife. <laughs> when Eddie Kingston first came on to AEW, he specifically mentioned in his promo at Cody that. Was it that Cody or was it the week after? Whichever. Specifically saying that he never gave his mother a daughter-in-law. Because he just spent all the last 20 years in professional wrestling making nowhere near enough money, getting not near enough respect. So, we have to back up a little more with the Jericho Appreciation Society. Mm -hmm. And how that came from the fallout of the inner circle. Which came from Eddie. Yep, from Eddie just being pals with Santana Ortiz and telling him straight up Jericho's full of shit. Thank God they got away from Jericho. Yep. So they've been feuding for a while, and two weeks ago now? Three weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks ago, Chris Jericho throws a fireball into Eddie's face. I thought it was. No, that's fine. Whatever it? it is. Whatever. So I thought, yeah. So then the following week on Rampage, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they have Jericho for commentary on that. Kingston calls into the show. So no, this was Eddie Kingston called the show last Rampage. Yes. But it normally there isn't a phone line to get into that to get to the desk and be heard by everyone. But no, apparently he found one. Yes, he did. <laughs> and he told Jericho that when he got home that night and his wife of 20 years saw him and was horrified at what was done, that he, he was going to kill him and he was going to enjoy it. Now, Eddie Kingston doesn't... Eddie Kingston isn't married. No, he, he's not married. He doesn't have kids. <laughs> he was telling Cody the truth about that when he said that wrestling was his life and then apparently now he's got a wife of 20 years yep so the next week yeah wednesday during 
a Jericho in-ring segment because the Jericho Appreciation Society, which is 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, um, all of uh, and also Jake Hager is still there because they can't figure out what the hell to do with Jake Hager because he can't he's talk. He's a bodyguard. He's a bodyguard who doesn't guard a body. He's 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 there to protect Jericho from January sixth criticism. Fair. So, um, during the in-ring segment, Jericho calls out Eddie Kingston's wife <laughs> and says, well, you know, why don't you bring your wife out to the ring or whatever, and then Mox's music hits. <laughs> Confirming that John Moxley is married to both Renee Paquette as a husband and Eddie Kingston as a wife. <laughs> Non-binary John Moxley. You know what? I love it. It's the best queer representation I've ever seen. It's the best poly representation I've ever seen. I'm sorry, MV. So, um, yeah, that that's a fun one. Uh, so yeah. we now know that John Moxley is married to Eddie Kingston. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Kingston's little group is now friends with Blackpool Combat Club. Oh my god. Because, so, yeah, that, that was a big thing. Like, the Jericho Appreciation Society is five people. Santana, Ortiz, and Kingston are three. Now there's six. Technically seven. Cause yes, Regal because Regal did get a good shot in there. Regal decked Jericho. <laughs> one of my favorite things that I've seen in wrestling in a little while. Um, oh. So it's just, it's been a, a, you know, as much as I want Jericho to shut the fuck up and go away. I kind of want to see him get killed first. <laughs> yeah, I want to see Eddie Kingston murder him. I want to see Eddie Kingston and his wife murder Chris Jericho. Yep. Oh, man. That... I was freaking out on Wednesday when we saw that. I was like, oh, we're going to get to see Blackpool Combat Club taking on um, Jericho Appreciation Society. Like, that's going to be awesome. I'm going to love this storyline. Yeah, that's all of them. Oh, there's the other three. Oh, they're outnumbered. Oh, they're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You very specifically said, oh, they're all going to die. <laughs> so that is going to be fun when they start really ramping that up. Probably for Double or Nothing, I would think. Which is in, what, two weeks now? Two weeks, yeah. So they got, they got enough time to, to build it up to where you're really excited for all three factions. Yes. So, one one other big thing that happened this week, and the thing that they've been building for a little while on Rampage, mm -hmm. is uh, another, another apparent romance that we weren't expecting. On account of the way that Jericho talked to Taz about how Danhausen would be coming over for Thanksgiving now. Yep. So, um... I don't know if it's normal for a tag partner to go to your family's Thanksgiving. It might be. It, it might be. But, like, um... It sounds more... It sounds like they're in a relationship. That, that's definitely what he made it sound like. Uh, so, uh, a good episode for the gays. Uh, Hook and Danhausen are now a tag team called Hookhausen. At least fandom. I don't know if they've been called Hookhausen officially. I thought Excalibur called them Hookhausen. Maybe? I might have missed it. I, I know on, like, the poster, it's still Hook and Danhausen. Mm-hmm. Well, I I hope they do, um, you know, pull the trigger on Hookhausen because I think that's a very good name, and they've done a good job of, they've done a good job of capitalizing on, like, other fan favorite terminology as well, like you know, uh, yep. ass boys, for example. They're definitely a company that listens more than it doesn't. You know. I would like to go in real quick here yeah. into Hook and just be like, 
holy shit, this kid is good. Oh yeah, no, I love I love watching Hook. I I've really enjoyed watching him come in and just decimate everyone he's faced, and then to get pulled into this weird head cheese like storyline with Danhausen, where he's been threatening to beat him up. And Dan has to try to curse him, but it's not working. So he spills his chips. Go ahead. He's immune to curses, apparently. Yep. And then Dan Housen comes out and offers him a present of a bag of chips, which Hook turns down. And the crowd is devastated at this. Uh It's like, it's, it's a very good. Um, so, I, I sorry, this is a complete tangent. Go for it. If you order merch from Alley Catch, you get a postcard from her with it, which in some cases in purple marker has written on it, I kissed Mickey James, you virgins. I am and jealous. Alley Catch has a way with words. Yep. So, yes. I was saying when we were watching on Dynamite, I think I think it was Dynamite that this happened, mm-hmm. that so many times you can see second or third generation wrestlers come in and they might want to ride the coattails a little bit, or the people in charge will want to push them in that direction. And DiBiase Jr. I they can probably list a lot. So to see There's just Hook one that go- came to the top of my mind. So to see Hook go out and even with his dad on commentary, still seemingly organically get over with people with his own attitude, which is still very similar to Taz's when he was younger. But like it's, it's just it's it's you know, he's not he's not doing anything groundbreaking or revolutionary with his character. He's just really just being good really at it. good. And you like, don't he, need to be like, good at this. You don't need to break new ground to be good. Mm-hmm. You just need to be good. Just gotta put the effort in. I mean like Hook has the in ring talent and his in ring talent has only gone up since his debut. Yes. Getting the time in has worked so well for him. I wish he could get more, like, if they let him tour the indies or something. Keeping Brian Cage off TV. Very good. <laughs> you know, like, let, um, let Hobbs and Starks be Team Taz. Let Hook be his own thing, except when he doesn't yep. be. Yeah, he really hasn't done anything with them since he started wrestling. And it just it it has resulted in some really enjoyable moments for Hook because he's not shackled by his team Taz association. You know, yes. I I think one of the things that can tend to happen with newer and younger wrestlers that they become attached to their faction in a way that is detrimental to their development or detrimental to their ability to do interesting things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like that—that's the big thing. Is like the difference is that Hook is allowed to be Hook, and that gives him a leg up on a lot of people. Don't have. Yeah, I think my cat is whining. I can hear her through the headphones. <laughs> Oh, okay. So we've done Eddie. We've done Hook. I want to go back a little bit further, if I may. Okay. Wake up, suplex, get snacks, and day in the life of Hook Nights. <laughs> so way back at WrestleMania this year. Uh-huh. There was a match teased of Kevin Owens and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin hasn't wrestled in 19 years. Mm-hmm. And in 2020, they brought him in for one of the very early empty arena shows. 
where he managed to blow himself up on the way to the ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he comes out on a quad. Mm-hmm. So it's just impressive. Mm-hmm. So for months, they teased and poked at this thing, never showing Austin, only mm-hmm. showing Owen sh- calling him out. And there was rumors like every other day of, it'll be a match, it'll be an interview, it won't happen, it will happen, et cetera, et cetera. So when they get to WrestleMania, it turns out that Austin was very methodically keeping track of himself and getting back into shape and trying to be in ring shape for it. And they made the call the day of whether it will be a match or an interview. So they get into the ring and they sit down for an interview. And Kevin's like, well, I know I called you out here for an interview, but really I want to have a match. Can we have a match? (laughs) And Austin says yes and has his first match in 19 years. Yep. And and I... I, You want to say? Um... I, I, I'll let you finish. Let's get to the... I, I want to let you get through the part that's exciting so I can get to the part that's hilarious. Okay. So yeah, they, they just clear everything out. They dump the big office chairs out, the, the screen and everything. And like, this is the main event of WrestleMania Night 1 this year. So I'm saying like, okay, they're going to have a match. Austin's not going to bump. He's going to do a few moves. He's going to... He'll get his stuff in. Maybe they'll brawl around a little bit on the mat. And we'll be in and out. It'll be fine. That's all That's all I'm expecting. So they start out like that. It's slow. It's a li- There's a couple near botches in there as, like, you're just getting your feet in there. And then they go to the outside. It's like, huh, that's interesting. Then they go into the crowd. That's really interesting. Then Kevin Owen suplexes Steve Austin onto the concrete in his first match back in 19 years. And they just go for another 15 after that. One has to imagine that old Steve had spent a lot of time working with Kevin Owens explicitly on that stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, there was also a WrestleMania moment that involved Stone Cold. <laughs> where Mr. McMahon told... I'm sorry. No, Stone Cold hit a regular stutter and then was given the worst set of all time. He couldn't even get a handle of him. Because <laughs> he's too greasy. Yeah, he really is. Slippery and <laughs> untrustworthy. Um, now, Kevin Owens has a program with um, the guy who is not Elias. <laughs> Ezekiel. Yeah, that one. And then I, I the the interview that he did where he gets called Ken and then blows up about it. <laughs> yep. Very classic Kevin Owens. It's one of one of my favorite things about the way that he does promos is how he like he'll be Doing, doing his promo, he'll be cutting a blisteringly good promo, and then you hear a little bit of the Quebec come out, and then it goes away right away after that again. Mm-hmm. But it's only he has when good he's control over it. Really angry. The Quebec comes out when he gets angry. I might actually tune into Raw this week for the Ezekiel Kevin Owens thing. Because yeah. I guess they're going to be doing a DNA test on him. <laughs> it's like, I need to know how you're going to do this. Where do you go from here? 
So. Hey, Loki. Uh, Loki. I the I need to. I can actually have it up. Um, you hide the results of the DNA test, and winner gets to open the envelope. <laughs> you could do that. The, the one I heard floating around on Figure Four Online this week was they do the test results, and it comes back as not a match. They're not the same person. So then Owens and Ezekiel have a match impromptu right in the middle of it, and they brawl to the back. And in the back, they switch over to stock footage from before Ezekiel shaved, when he was still Elias. Where, like, he jumps Owens and attacks him, and then it goes back. <laughs> so you can, you can then cut in Ezekiel and Elias into the same place at the same time, and then wrap it back up in the ring with Ezekiel only. If they do that, I will be so impressed. If they do anything... Of that quality and thoughtfulness, I will be impressed. <laughs> this, here's the real question. Can we hold a ladder match for the D? No, if this was WCW in the 90s, it'd be a DNA test results on a pole match. Yeah. <laughs> and then the pole would be impossible to climb. Also, we greased the pole for some reason. Um, what if, what if he has an actual brother? I... I would have thought someone would have mentioned it by now, but, like, it's entirely possible. If all you gotta show up is, is strum a guitar and then smash it, like, you don't need a whole lot of training for that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it could be a funny moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a Kevin Owens story, Kevin Owens storyline. He's gonna save it regardless. I mean, like, he's, I don't think it even needs to be saved. I think Kevin Owens will... Good because this is actually a funny storyline. Yeah, this is... It's actually entertaining. Like... Sports entertaining. Yes, this is what sports entertainment should look like. When you do funny, it should be funny and thoughtful. And not... Like, uh, yeah, not, like, basically... <sighs> What Vince thinks is funny, which is just being mean-spirited. What Vince thinks is funny, which is laughing at women and minorities. Uh, it's, it's the funny angle that is also, it, but like, the actual wrestling isn't, it, you know, it's like a comedic angle without the wrestling being comedic, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, Kevin Owens is like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me with this? It's it's very clearly Elias over here. You know? <laughs> Look at this fucking guy. Tabernacle. Oh, God. If Kevin Owens ever says Tabernacle on a WWE show. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think I'm going to be tuning into Raw this week just to watch that. Fair. Which means they're probably going to make it the main event. And I'll just be sitting here for three hours going, oh, God. I don't want any more. <laughs> Secret brother under the ring. Well, that could work. I, I think it'd be easier in the back. You have a lot more control over what is shown then. Okay. What else do we want to talk about? <sighs> Covered the contract situations. Covered Kingston and his wife. Mm -hmm. We covered Kevin Owens. Over WWE shit for a little bit. Yeah. You know, the, when they do good stuff, I will shout it out. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why you don't hear about it too often. <laughs> Secret Brother Tether. Oh, no, no. No more tethering people over the ring. Ooh. Um, no. Transition, though. Awkward transition. <laughs> the Owen Hart tournament. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh I'll edit around that one. <laughs> it's, it came up organically. I know. But yes, there is the Owen Hart tournament finally going I'm on. Sorry. I've been so excited for this. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm so well, just mute yourself for a bit till you're done. <laughs> I'm going to be on screen anyway. 
so yeah, the, the Owen has been dubbed has been going on. And it seems like the most motivated tournament I've watched in a while. Like, it definitely feels like their motivation is to really absolutely they're worthy of Owen's legacy. Yep. And I'm just going to say it right now. Dax Harwood versus Cash Wheeler. Probably going to be my match of the year. Alright. <laughs> no, I mean, like... Like, for one, it was a great technical match between two people who know each other extensively. But also, it was like just continuous shoutouts to the Brett versus Owen WrestleMania 10 match, which is one of my favorites. And just a bunch of other really good Bret Hart spots. It's the kind of thing that, you know, like, when you have a, a match of two people who know each other really well, two people who are like both students of wrestling in a way where they you know especially guys like FTR honoring the people who came before them and you know the old older wrestlers and everything that's a huge thing for FTR like that's their mm -hmm. biggest draw is that they're old school wrestlers right yeah, because they are directly influenced, and they show it. So they have a... They have a match that reflects that, and it's genuinely... Genuinely a delight to watch. Mm-hmm. It should also be mentioned that in the official first round of the tournament was Dax versus Adam Cole, where you had... Very specifically, a Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels match. Because you saw the influence of both of those so well in them. And, like, they didn't need to do a sweet chin music spot, but they did. <laughs> you know, and then Adam Cole going over through political pressure, I bet. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that one I'm kidding about. <laughs> but, yeah, that, like, the Owen tournament is has been really enjoyable to watch in both the men's and women's. It's yep. given the women some actual spotlight time. Yeah. They, they're actually giving them like 15 minutes to do a match. Not just a... It, it's not a squash. It's not like a little like dinky seven minutes where you know the women still go hard as fuck because they need Yep. It's great. Like we watched we watched today, uh Riho and Ruby Soho. That was a phenomenal match. And it started so well, like when Ruby was getting the ring and Rio has her fingers in hers because she doesn't like the funk music. <laughs> it's like no they they set the tone right there and they just kept going and they did it hard and great. Uh unfortunately apparently Hikaru Shida is injured and out of the match. Sheeta also oh. found out she was injured today. I can't wait to go back and watch the past two weeks of her stuff from Japan. But she was injured. Where she apparently did like an hour and 45 minute long match at one point. Yeah. <laughs> if I can hypothesize, I'm willing to bet that they just didn't take she does Japanese bookings seriously. And then when she said, no, I'm going to my bookings, they're like, oh, well, you're injured. It, yeah, it, it seems maybe just a tiny tad bit scummy, but no. But I, I have no information on that. That's just uh, yeah, and what you know, I would like, bet. You, it's wrestling. you got to be a little bit carny. Yeah. Tony Storm and Jamie Hayter, yeah. Like, they oh. went hard. Yeah, that was a fantastic match. Like, it's like, been... Ice being 
That's all. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, that's kind of what it comes down to. Is you get to wrestle because of the tournament. It's like I keep retweeting on my Twitter account. Like, when you watch men's matches, it's very homoerotic, very story, very high drama going on. When you watch women's wrestling, they want to kill each other to win this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's That's just not so to take good. away from the homoeroticism of women's wrestling. True. But they're a lot more blatant about it. It's more intentional. The men's wrestling is, like, homoerotic by nature of the... Greasy uh, dudes rolling around in their underwear. (laughs) Sure. I was going to say the intricate rituals. Okay, yep, that too. You know, you can... It's that that old... You construct intricate rituals to blah 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 other men. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas you watch a women's match when they want to get into each other's head, they'll just kiss each other. (laughs) Um, here it is. You construct intricate rituals to allow you to touch the other men. That's fair enough, and that's men's wrestling in a nutshell. Yep, (laughs) that is kind of how it plays out. (laughs) Did we have anything else to bring up? Uh, talk about Cody's match. No. Um, he kept the downstate music. Yep. It, it was actually a lot of fun when they did that. It's like, it, it was against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. So Rollins comes out, he's in the ring. He hasn't been told who his opponent is yet. So he's saying, like, bring him out, whoever it is. Then the lights turn out, and everyone's like, yep, no, we're finally fucking getting this. <laughs> because now wrestling only has one royal family. <laughs> Sorry, Cody, you gotta update your theme. Adrenaline. I'm about to end the show. (laughs) But yes, Cody and Seth had a very good match. Then they redid it again at the next pay-per-view. Then it looks like they're going to do it again at the next pay-per-view. Yeah, and that's what I was afraid of. (laughs) Whatever. I I got to see a really good Cody match in WWE. I hope he's happy. I hope he is comfortable. That's all I got to say about it. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's. I think that's fair. Um, (laughs) Itsu has the better lyrics. Adrenaline running low. We have to end the show. Okay. Um, but first, I think one thing I want to talk about real quick, because I think it's worth talking about, is something that we haven't touched on since the last episode, and that is the meteoric rise of Kid Bandit. Yep. Indie I... Wrestling's newest darling. Right, I'm messaging Emma because what the fuck? Um, <laughs> indie Wrestling's newest darling. Indie Wrestling's newest women's wrestling sensation. Indie Wrestling's newest men's wrestling sensation. <laughs> Kid Bandit. Indie Bandit has it all. Anime sensation. <laughs> Kid Wrestling's newest kohai. Yep. Are uh, uh, you gonna ask about that one, or are you just gonna let me? I'm just gonna let you run with it. Uh, so Senpai is older student, kohai is younger student. Ah, uh, okay. You're welcome for the Japanese lesson. <laughs> Thank you, Cat. So yeah, I I fucking love Bandit. Like incredible Phoenix splash, like Aitsu said. Like energetic Standing in the ring. Phoenix. Standing Phoenix splash, sorry. Yeah. Um it, it, the energy that Kid Bandit brings to the ring. Like building a brand in record time 
Yeah, like noticing exactly when it's hot and going all in. There's just there, there's I, I'm very excited to continue to see Kid Bandit become a more actualized wrestler. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited that um we have another trans wrestler who is popular. Sorry, Emma is calling me. Um me yeah, one you go second. ahead and mute. I'll keep talking about Bandit here. So yeah, like just like I said, immediately noticing when to strike to get all the attention they could. And you know, and one being positive influence, like their Twitter account is full of positivity. In fact, if you want negativity at this time, you have to pay for it. <laughs> and a PayPal link is provided. <laughs> Welcome back. I was just saying how Kid Bandit's Twitter account is kept very positive. And if you want negativity at this point, you have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, like... Okay, Kid Bandit... It's yes, also thirsty thirst traps. Also the thirst traps, yeah. No, like the, the yeah. but like you know the fact that they wrestle in like a little gothic Lolita outfit. Or a shonen hero outfit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Depending on the day. And like the way that Bandit has actualized themselves through wrestling. Mm-hmm. The it's way kinda... that Bandit taught Warhorse what Senpai was. Oh, that was such a funny weekend when they tagged. <laughs> but yeah, just the interactions everywhere, like, they seem so wholesome and lovely, and I look forward to them just showing up everywhere. They're phenomenal, and I'm very glad that they get to be someone on the wrestling world's race. Now, speaking of Twitter, someone else showed up there as well since we've been gone. Buff Bagwell. Oh my god, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> From WCW in the fucking 90s, prominent member of the NWO, member of the Real Americans Tag Team. Buff Bagwell has been a delight on Twitter. Buff Bagwell came into attention for shouting out Nyla Rose, and when someone decided to respond with transphobia, they dragged them up and said, No, you piece of shit. It's Buff Bagwell being, Buff Bagwell having like this redemption arc of, like, because he's had, like, you know, it, like, all, like a lot of wrestlers, he's had some substance yep. problems in the past and I'm very glad that we get Grandpa Buff Bagwell you know, wrestling <laughs> grandpa not like maybe not real grandpa, but like, you know, we get we get this older, more mature Buff Bagwell who is on Twitter just dropping good take after good take and yeah. then when people bring up like who is this you and like show his mugshot, he's like, yeah I was Young and stupid, and I fucked up, and I've grown. Guess yeah, what? Like People grow. Yeah, since the time of when WWE bought WCW and ostracized and kicked out most of the WCW talent, like, yeah, no, he's had trouble. He's had car accidents. He's had drug problems. He's had alcohol problems. He's had political problems <laughs> as recently as the last administration. Mm -hmm. But when people came to him and said, hey, you do, here's what is actually happening. He listened and he right. turned himself around. It's one of the most mature things that someone can do when presented with mm -hmm. new information. When presented with someone who is, in effect, counter to your world. Yep. When you... Sit back and say, okay, I'm going to adjust how I think. 
I'm going to take a second. I'm going to pause and say, maybe I was wrong. It, it's the ability to say, um, maybe I'm wrong, right? Like, yeah, it's so I important. don't think that I'm right about everything. In fact, there probably are many things on which I am wrong. I'm willing to say, maybe I'm wrong, and then adjust and do better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we kind of take this stance of, like, sort of a necessary ideological purity. Yeah. When ideological purity, a a any sort of purity politics, quite frankly, is just disguised fascism. Like, if you demand purity from anyone, are you really any better than someone who's demanding other kinds of purity? Like, yeah. You need room to grow and experience and make mistakes and then listen when you make those mistakes. That, you know, that's like, how I, this I, happens. I think there's a difference between someone who actively chooses to be a bigot and the way that they yeah. have to necessarily. Be very very transparent with their information. Yeah, but I think if you allow people room to grow, you find people grow. If you allow a plant room to grow, it grows better, it grows stronger, it grows healthier. You can't grow a fruit tree in Stardew Valley without leaving enough space around it. Mm-hmm. You know. Now I will also say. A little bit of history with Buff is that it was an old Buff Bagwell story that was the first time I had heard of body dysmorphia. Because way, way back in the 90s, when he was really in, in WCW, he had like the huge bodybuilder body, legs, arms, everything. Except in his own experience, he didn't like his calves. He had very small calves, and they showed off in wrestling boots. So, he actually got implants for it. And those ended up going, um, I think they leaked, and had to be taken out. This whole thing of infection and whatnot, and like, in the mid-2000s, I heard that story on the friggin' news one random night. Mm -hmm. Okay. One random night, and it kind of just stuck with me that, yeah, no, like, people can just not like parts of their body and do extreme mm -hmm. things to try and fix that, but it's not usually the answer. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, like, body dysmorphia is something that many, many people can struggle with. I mean, like, mm -hmm. you know, people who've opened up about it, and like, I, I wouldn't shout anyone out about this unless they were open and an advocate for, you know, body dysmorphic disorder. I mean, fucking me. I, you know, I, through high school and college, had a severe eating disorder. You know, uh, fucking Matt Mercer has talked about his body dysmorphic disorder mm -hmm. extensively. And something that I, I don't think quite enough justifiable attention in I like, you know, not to like I'm just gonna I, I, I hate using this term, but like it, it, in effect amen people don't get enough attention with regards to body dysmorphic disorder. Yep. They are largely told to suck it up and be a man about it, you know? Like, or, you know, teenage girls have eating disorders kind of a thing. Yeah, d don't be womanly. You know, be a, be a real man. Shut up and... Drink your beer and eat your nails or whatever. Eat some whatever they pudding do. cups. I don't know. I, I was bad at being a boy. I stopped doing it for a reason. <laughs> Same. <laughs>
But the... I wasn't great at being a girl either, so I stopped doing that too. Oh, I'm great at being a girl. I'm just <laughs> Um, it's just the the way that we treat body dysmorphia in particularly AMAB people, but you know, I, I would say probably less. It's it's treated more seriously when you know your your eating disorder happens trans women right like at the yeah. end of the day it, in one of the ways that i think sort of like a little bit unquestioningly and subtly society affirms the womanhood of trans people in a very toxic way is saying oh yeah of course you have an eating disorder girl yeah welcome to womanhood Here's you know, your bulimia it's it's subtle, but it's pernicious, and like I don't know my point in a long and short way is that you should take body dysmorphic disorder more seriously when it presents in 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 you know young boys or you know i i not to like you know hot button topic. When I was a boy, I still had eating disorders. I still had, you know, like, and that, that might have been sourced from dysphoria, but I still have eating, I still have a fucking eating disorder and it has nothing to mm -hmm. do with me growing tits or being a woman. It has everything to do with the fact that my mother used to constantly criticize the way that I ate. Uh, so, like, you know, doesn't matter what your gender is, shitty parents might still give you an eating disorder. Yeah. Treat it seriously. You know, like the girls in my school got health class talks about eating disorders. The boys did not. Nope. So just fucking stop. Be better. Um, Aaron, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about now that we've had a little rant about Eating disorders and body health. dysmorphic disorder? Um, only if you feel yourself going through this, there are places to get in touch. I will try and look some up to throw in some into the show notes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, like, um, and that's about it. The important thing to note is that if you do experience that sort of thing, you're not alone. You know, reach out to me on Twitter and I'll talk to you about it. I'll try to help you find resources. I will not be your therapist. But I will come with an open heart and an understanding uh, as someone who still deals regularly with an eating disorder and sometimes overtreats that with marijuana. I don't know. I don't think marijuana works. I think it's fake. Aaron, you just have an insanely high tolerance. <laughs> we figured out Aaron's tolerance. Like this might have. In fact, we might have. We have we done an episode since we got you high that one time. Yes. Probably, yeah. Because that was last year. Oh, yeah. Aaron took 100 milligrams worth of edibles and then just got cold and tired. <laughs> I had a nap and I was fine. It, it was, you fell asleep in the middle of Rampage. <laughs> okay, I didn't fall asleep. I still was following it. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't keep my eyes open, which I found out is just a thing I do when I sit at certain angles. I had the same problem. Okay, this is a, this is a this is a maybe an offline discussion. I'll have it now. Um, since I'm no longer I'm fun employed now at my old job. In my boss's office, he did something with the blinds. Like he was in a corner office. Like some of the blinds were at one angle, some of them were at another, and whatever it did. It caused this insane, like, hypnotic effect on my brain where I couldn't keep my eyes open because of mm -hmm. the angles of the slats on his blinds. So, like, I, I, I like, it, is there something there? Is that, like, a thing that you can do? I don't know. I just know now if I'm lying on a couch, straight back up, and legs out, I will eventually just start falling forward and falling asleep. 
I'm completely aware of what's going on. Sounds like you're going into a trance. That can't be. We know I'm immune to that, too. All right. Well, uh, I'm here to <laughs> uh, thanks for wrestling. We sure didn't. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at soses.ca. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. I'm going to just keep talking then, you know? That's what I'm paid to do here. Although I don't think Sosa's ever actually cut me a check, so I'm not sure if I count as being paid. Um, your payment came in the mail three weeks ago. Oh. Unfortunately, the cost of postage was such that it wiped out the entire payment. You know what? At least I didn't owe. I, mean, I can be thankful for that. I Yeah. You could owe money. 